Hey everybody, how's it going? It's been a while since we've done a pre-recorded intro, but we have good reason for this one. Uh, A lot of people have been asking us for quite a while when we're going to have shirts, and we finally did it. So, we've already announced that on our social media, but if you just listen to this and don't follow us on there, we now have shirts, we have hoodies, hats, stickers, coffee cups, all that good stuff. So go get them. It definitely will help us support the show and keep this show going and continue to make it better. So yeah, please excuse my nasally voice I got going on. Allergy season is a son of a bitch, but we got to keep on keeping on. So I guess I could give you that website to go get some merchandise. It is shop.spreadshirt.com slash missing prep. Once again, that's shop.spreadshirt.com slash mission prep. You can also find a link in the podcast description. And I'll put a link in this episode's description as well. And yeah, please help support us. Go rock some of our gear out there in public. Tell people about the show, all that good stuff. We appreciate you guys. So I guess we will get into the episode. Our guest today is Jill Hengeller. She is a nurse and a jiu-jitsu practitioner and one half of one of our favorite couples. Her significant other, Paul Sharp, has been on the show in the past and even makes a little guest appearance in this one. So, enjoy. Go buy a shirt. Love you, bye. So I think I think we're gonna go back to doing intros before the. You know what I'm talking about. That way you're not being awkward. That because it's so awkward to sit here and be like, our guest today is. It's, I hate doing that. Oh, a, pre-re- and, a pre-recorded. Yeah. So or... we were doing the pre-recorded <laughs> intros, and then we quit doing them, and we weren't doing intros at all. Because if you read the podcast description, it says who people are. But then I noticed like some of the guests were like looking at us like, "Are you gonna introduce who I am?" So it's like, ah, fuck. So we started, I started doing that again, and it's so awkward. I still like just being a, a natural conversation. So it's just like, I do too. you come in just bullshit with someone, you're like, so what are you doing? And then people get to know along the way. Yeah. But I, I get, like, some people want to know, like, am I listening to a biologist or, like, a KKK member? Like, I get that. <laughs> like, Well, and also, like, I w- I'm going to do a pre-recorded intro on this one because I want to talk about the T-shirts and shit that are for sale. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't want to drop that in the middle of an episode. Oh, by the way, you know, go get our shirts and yeah, all that shit. So yeah, I guess I'll do an introduction for you, pre-recorded after you guys leave. That sounds good. <laughs> and also, you get to know the person a little better through the conversation, and it's easier to do an introduction. Your merch is pretty cool, by the way. Well, thank you. I'm definitely doing a crop top. He's not even joking. I don't even know why it just shows the women on there. Like, what about dude crop tops? Yeah. Like with some jorts. Yeah, why can't you know. I- yeah, <laughs> seriously. I won't. like it was this weekend. I was wearing my uh, Robert Obers like the Husky tee. Yeah, I was camping. And I was like, I'm gonna wear this around, dude. And it's just like even just wearing something like that was weird for people. 
because when I was up there, like it was, we like, I like camping in the middle of nowhere and stuff, but the Silver Creek Plunge is just nice when you have kids. It's just easy. It's a family environment. But we were in a spot where everyone around us, they all knew each other. And all the guys were fat, white guys, right around 40 years old and like long basketball shorts. They're all the same. And so like I pop up like, and they all look at me like I'm weird. Like it was also kind of gross because I mean, this is going to be like narcissistic for sure. But like, why, what's up with everybody just being that way? And it's okay. Why is it okay just to be a fat 40 year old basketball shorts and just be unhealthy and be like set an example? I don't know. I, I don't think know. a because, lot of that. Because oh, there's ahead. a, there's a movement, right? That, um, uh, what health, our perception of health has become. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's on magazine covers now, like fit isn't necessarily healthy. Right. Yeah. And so now it's not, uh, I don't know. It's this whole like self love. Yes. Uh, we can't shame people for being, you know, overweight or anything like that. And so it's okay now it's socially acceptable. So, so do we think that there's an issue of making too many people egocentric when they do that though? That's my question. Well, the thing now is, you know, it's the whole anti-bullying and anti-this and they don't want to make people feel bad as a fat dude my whole life i need someone to say something to me so i can be like shit i need to get my shit together right which you've been that you've been that for me you've said like dude we got to start working out my wife is that for me she's very honest with me Mm -hmm. which i appreciate i'll never forget one of her aunts came to town one time and she mentioned that i had been gaining weight and i was like motherfucker <laughs> now I got, I got to start got to start doing something you know yeah but I think a lot of that comes people that are uneducated man but there's most people especially our generation grew up eating shitty food pop tarts and ramen noodles and and all that stuff and they don't know how to be healthy yeah. and they're also too afraid to ask like I I'm not I, that's why I always go to you for like health advice and shit because but Miles advice is offensive like from day one, like when my gym didn't have AC in it, right? It was a CrossFit gym. And I tried to do this like in a nice way, but it's hard to say certain things. Like again, hard to swallow a pill and make it sound nice. Like, okay, where do you work? Like they say where they work. Like, hey, you're in an AC environment sitting down. Then they drive home in an AC vehicle and then they sit in their house, which is AC. And they're like, oh, and when they actually do go outside, it kills them. Like, oh my God, it's so hot. Like it's 80 degrees. Like, I think it's, maybe I am wrong. Call me an asshole. Maybe I am wrong, but isn't it healthy to be acclimated to your environment? Like we're human beings. We have the ability to adapt, right? And we're, so why, why is it not okay to be in the heat? Why is it not okay to be cold? Why is it, you know, it's normal, it almost seems like, right? Yeah, our gym is not a climate-controlled environment. Good. You have to make adjustments, mm-hmm. which is really hard when it's 105 outside. Especially, you know, you're in the gym and you're wearing uh, a gi mm-hmm. and you are ramping it up with your training partner. So it's 105 outside, but it's 110 yeah. in the gym and very mm-hmm. humid. Mm-hmm. And you do acclimate, you build a tolerance to it. And I think it is important. Yeah. I know when, when I first started ju- doing jujitsu, the gym that I go to, he turns the heat on in there. He's like, because he, he came from like an old school wrestling background and he still does that. First time I threw up, right? But I think we just got done. I think I made it to my car and I'm like, oh shit. <sighs> About the first month, somewhere in there, I would throw up, but then I got used to it. And now I prefer the heat. 
also you feel looser. Everything feels better. Um, so like in the wintertime, he had the heat cranked. And then summertime, there was no AC. So it would get nice and hot in there. But I think I don't know, I think it's better for you to do stuff in the heat. Well, I, I imagine you've seen a lot of people come in with like what heat stroke or just um, heat exhaustion, right? A lot of people. Yeah, people don't understand how to hydrate or yeah. stay hydrated. That happened right. to me last weekend. I was doing yard work. <laughs> we were it, when it was it got pretty hot last was it Monday or Sunday, and I was digging a bunch of holes in my backyard. We were planting trees and stuff like that, and I was hot. I was feeling hot, feeling hot. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh shit. And I threw up in the yard. My wife's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, cause I've always had physical jobs, manual labor jobs. And most of my life were outdoors. So I'm, I've always been used to that. My job I do now, it is still a lot of physical labor involved, but most of it I'm inside because I'm on loading docks and stuff. And most of them are air conditioned. I do have a couple places I go that are outdoor docks, but my body's just not used to it at all anymore. And I'm digging those holes and, I was telling my wife, I'm like, if it wasn't hot out here, it's not the physicality of this that's killing me. It's the heat. And I got way overheated. And then the next day is when I started being all congested and stuff. That might have something to do with it. Because I, I was reading online that sometimes your body will react if you get a little too hot, like you're sick. So it's either allergies or I'm just a pussy when it comes to heat. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's like you were talking about the guys with the long basketball shorts and stuff like that. I just think that there's nobody in their life that's said anything to them about. No one ever said, hey, it's okay to have emotions and feelings, but also be a hard motherfucker at the same time. Well, and there's also people. It's either who, one or the other. They don't realize that like that they look sloppy. You know what I mean? With long basketball shorts and they're overweight. There's nobody in their life that surrounds them that tells them like, you don't look healthy right now. You, you, don't, you don't look good. Oh, and so we're saying it's a so then we're saying it's a group of people who are all together not virtuous. I well, like I've mentioned on on here multiple times, you got to surround yourself, yeah, with badass people if you want to be one of those people, which is what like I try to do. That's why you're one of my best friends. I, I look up to you because you're physically fit, you're educated on fitness and diet and stuff like that. I'm not, so I strive to be like that. And then other people we've met on the podcast, like Paul, is one people who have done cool shit they take care of themselves they put a positive message out there for others to take care of themselves we're surrounding ourselves with these people and most people don't do that they don't know that there's another way of to live their life and if they do they think it's too hard right because they haven't seen anybody pull that off in person yeah i think that's a big part of it yeah it'd be nice to have the our whole culture kind of follow that not that we shall be the same you know but just like hey oh i can do that it's not just some superhero guy, you know, it's like, or gal, either way, like, I can do that. I just have to get over my own stuff, get over, get, get, get myself out of the way so I can go do that. It's like jujitsu, like get my own head out of the way so I can go be a student again in something, always be a student in something, right? Whether it's learning how to plant trees, whatever, just always learning something new versus just kind of being complacent. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm in favor of surrounding myself with people who are just disciplined in something like Jessica and her art, who you guys had on Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. or just anybody who is disciplined in something and excels in that thing, um, inspires me to have focus and discipline Mm -hmm. and it reinforces the importance of being disciplined and having accountability with yourself and 
I think Paul says something about being the sum total of the people who are at your table. And so be really specific and intentional with the number and the type of people that you put at your table. Yeah, yeah actually, we went on a podcast, somebody else's last weekend, and something I said on there, because, and I might have said it on here before as well, I was always one of those guys that was like, I have enough friends. I don't need any more. Like, I have a lot of acquaintances, and I'm a very personable person. I'll talk anybody's ear off. But to let someone get close to me, I'm, I'm always like, yeah, I got enough people in my life. Until we started doing this podcast, and I'm meeting cool fucking people like Paul, like you, like other guests we've had on here. I'm like, fuck, maybe I do need more friends, but the right ones. These people that are disciplined, that are going to make me want to do better things. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, when you're a disciplined person, the pe- the person that makes excuses starts bothering you. Not like, oh, yeah, you're right. Let's just go get a pizza. It doesn't sound like good time to go do on a walk anyway. And after you become more disciplined, that person, you're like, fuck you. Like, I wanted to go on a walk. I don't want a pizza right now. Like, so you start separating yourself slowly, you know? Like, you don't say that verbally. Maybe you, I, I might, but, like, internally, you're like, yeah, you know what? You know. You're totally not. talking about our relationship right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, we're Actually, neighbors. there's times where he's the one. Like, let's go get pizza. But, but what about what about the people that we have in our lives who do sort of sabotage our goals? You um, know, with maybe... with with covert hostility or, and maybe it's not even intentional. Maybe they don't realize they are doing it, but, um, just this, um, you know, sabotaging my goals, whether it's being disciplined at eating or disciplined or at exercise, I, or staying sober, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, I have decided that I'm going to be sober, but I have, people in my life that are still just trying to sabotage that in, in some way, mm-hmm. just one drink or absolutely just one of this or just one of that. Yeah. So you got to stick yourself as soon as it happens, you almost have to like not run away, but like, like, okay, I gotta go find so-and-so, you know, or I gotta find Paul. Cause I know he's gonna be on my, my level, my page and keep me positive about what I'm doing. You know, um, that's, I think that's the best way to do it. Right? Well, and why aren't people okay with sobriety? Yeah. Why why can't it just be okay for me to mm-hmm. just be sober and be happy with that? And yeah. well, why are you getting involved in my sobriety? Yeah, why, why especially in your field. Wait, are you a nurse or a nurse practitioner? I, I'm a nurse. Nurse, okay. So like especially in your field where it's like, okay, you have a good well good understanding of health and you see people on a day basis who are not healthy, right? They're not there because they're happy and or not not heard, whatever. And so it's like, well, if I'm in this position, why do you assume that I want to make myself unhealthy. Like I'm, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that thought, but like, um, I guess that's it. Like why would someone assume someone who's a nurse and sees this every day wants to go be unhealthy with them? Unless it's just, well, it's, I'm a hypocrite, right? I'm going to be a nurse, but fuck my own body and my soul. I don't need to worry about it. You know, I just think someone that's your friend should assume that off the bat. Like, Hey, good job. You know, do your thing. Be mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I'm not lecturing people in my life about their lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, telling my friends who enjoy their, you know, their craft beers <laughs> or anything else, the dangers of alcoholism or anything. And so mm-hmm. it is really frustrating to choose to be sober for really specific reasons and, you know, but still have these, inf- you know, these people who are still trying to, I don't know, does my sobriety bother you? Why? Well, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think that sometimes, not always, but that comes down to they're miserable 
and like subconsciously they want people that are with them to be miserable with them. You know what I mean? Not everybody that drinks is miserable. I mean, I'll have a drink or two sometimes. So will Kevin, but <clears throat> like I grew up with an alcoholic dad who was bad and his life was shit. He died at 63 years old because he didn't take care of his body at all. He had at age 59 below the knee amputation because he had gout really bad. And then by age 62, the other leg was gone. He still, he didn't stop drinking, didn't stop smoking, didn't stop any of the stuff he was doing. And then by 63, he was dead. And he was one of those guys who like, he'd sit down at the table to drink and everybody come drink with me. That was kind of his thing. I think that's one reason I get, if I'm not drinking, I get very uncomfortable around people that are. And I think it's just something that was ingrained in me as a kid or something. You know, and maybe if I ever go to therapy one day, shit like that'll come out. That's but, natural. That's natural. I mean, <clears throat> well, think, I get, yeah. I get not even uncomfortable. I get annoyed. Right. I get really like even with my my own wife, which she rarely drinks. But if she wants to have a good time and cut loose and have a few drinks, I start to get annoyed. If I'm not drinking as well, if I'm drunk too, I don't care because that's what alcohol does to you. But it's I get uncomfortable, and I'm sure it goes back to my dad or something like that. But I think a lot of people who are miserable and doing bad things to their body maybe subconsciously or maybe consciously, they don't want you to be happy and not do that stuff. Yeah. I just want more um, people to less worry about what other people are doing. Uh, (laughs) For sure. Just don't worry about what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. Like we're all at the same party. We're all hanging out and Mm -hmm. we're all doing our own thing. Don't worry about, you know, whether I'm good or not drinking water or a a soda or whatever. Um, I think for Paul and I, the thing that is important for us is that we want to always be ready no matter what it is. I don't want to lose any time. I'm 45 years old and I have very specific goals that I want to achieve in the coming years. And there, there literally is not a moment of time that I want to lose to, you know, to a hangover or, I mean, I get tired, I get exhausted. I, am sore from working out or, you know, just mentally fatigued from work or whatever it is, that's different. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to impose, I don't want that sort of influence to hold me back in any way. If I want to go lift, I want to be ready to lift always. Mm -hmm. Go run, I want to be able to run always. To be intellectual or philosophical, I want my mind to be flexible always and not be slow or you know altered and so it's just this is where this is how i want to be right now and so it's more just don't worry about don't worry about what i'm doing and i'm not going to worry about what you're doing i just don't want to lose any time i think paul's brother has a pretty clever saying which is um but i have i'm having such a good time doing this that it's worth it's worth the how bad I'm gonna feel for the next couple of days, but for me right now, that's just not where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. I think too. Like I was saying, people who are miserable. I think there's also the flip side of that, where alcohol makes people have fun, and they want the people to have fun with them. Because mm-hmm. I get that too. Um, I'm one of those people, not with alcohol necessarily, but if I'm doing something that I enjoy, I want everybody I know to do it too, because I hope that they're gonna enjoy it as much as I do. I know, but that's her perception because you can be fun without. I'm fun without alcohol. Well, so, so am I. I'm I am one of those people who I can go to a party and not drink and have a good time. I am very yeah. clever, <laughs> and all of my jokes are funny. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Whether but, I'm sober but or not, you know what I'm saying. Like like even a thing like jujitsu. When I started doing that, everybody I know that I'm close to, I was trying to get them to come do it, 
And the only one that did was Kevin. And it's because it made, how it made me feel. I felt so good about myself, physically, mentally, everything. So I wanted the people I'm close to to feel that same way. Same thing when I started doing CrossFit with Kevin. I was trying to get everybody I knew to come do it. And there's a lot of people that do that. I can see alcohol being the same. You know, it makes it, people have a good time. It is. It's, like but that, it's also not for everybody. But not also, everybody has to. Like what you were just saying, that made me think about situational awareness. Because it's part of a situational awareness. Like, if this isn't what I want to partake in, then before it even happens... I'm planning on not going here or there because I'll be put in an environment where it's bunch of people drinking, you know, or maybe eating too much, whatever. But it's like already planning ahead of time the things that you want to do in your life, I would imagine. Um, you know, because that's kind of how I, I operate too. And I was like, because I don't want to be in those places. And last time I was really, was actually I was just going to Twisted Timber right over here. My buddy wanted me to go and I was, wasn't drinking. <clears throat> and I was probably three seconds away from fighting four people. I was sober, but they were the kind of drunk guys. You're, you're these are the guys I was talking about earlier. Not to, I'm not going to go off on a tangent or anything here, but the kind of grown men that aren't grown men, they're probably older than me in age, maybe 36, but the kind of guys that pee on toilets and think that everyone's there to serve them, you know, when it comes to women. Right. And so they were getting too close and I wanted them around me. So I was like, good away from me. At least arms distance. I don't know what you're doing right now. <clears throat> and it made them really offended because that's attacking their ego just to politely say, please distance yourself from me, especially the way they're acting. And so that guy like that, again, offends their ego so much. It's like, I already know they're not tough. They probably don't know how to fight. And they're really drunk. This is a time in my life I could be like, man, I could beat up four guys and talk about it. Because you can't really, it's really hard to actually, Paul knows, fight four people and beat them all up. But if, but if they're all fat white guys who were that drunk, I'm like, oh man, this would be such a cool story. <laughs> yeah. He's done it. <laughs> He's done it. <laughs> Smacking around drunk fat dudes is like, you know, it's like saying you're the champ at the 10 year old Taekwondo class. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. As an adult. <laughs> yeah. Like, so is it really worth it to do it? Like, yeah. and then honestly at the last minute I got my wits together and I was like, I'm just gonna let them go because they were trying to antagonize it in like a way that's very demeaning. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, I want my space. And then like the fattest of all, it's like, I'm not trying to like hate fat shame people. You are fat shaming, sir. But the roundest guy of all of them with his big head with his like, you know, the hairline little beard thing. The chin strap? The chin strap. There we go. <laughs> it was like, do it looking like this, like, like doing that. Like, oh, he's trying to egg me on. And so that's when I was like, I got to go. Like, I got to get out of here. And the people were working there were like, thank you so much. And so I was like, oh, but I want to. Like, it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> um, and so I just left. But like. That's anyway, situation awareness. I didn't want to be there in the first place. I finally agreed to go, right? And so we don't want to put ourselves in the situations to begin with. Like, and so, you know, and if we feel like we're constantly doing that in our lives, maybe we need to look at ourselves and say, well, who are we hanging out with the ones that's going to do that? Why don't I go with someone who's positive about going on a hike at the same time? Like, hey, it's sun's going down. Let's go on a hike. Like, oh my God. Let's go get some water and some strawberries or something, you know, like <laughs> some strawberries. Well, also guys like that that you're talking about, those are guys that kind of like Paul mentioned earlier before we were on, that don't have a facial scar anywhere. Yeah. They've never been punched in the face. They're, you said they were fat guys, so they're big guys, which they think, they think they're tough because they're big. Those guys have never been in an altercation with somebody because they'll fucking learn that they're not so tough. Yeah. I, I've always been a big guy, but I've never thought I'm going to kick everybody's ass. Right. Because I've been in fights before where 
I, it didn't go my way. Yeah. It could, especially if you don't know what you're doing, it doesn't go your way. And, and that's, that's, and that's why I think I've, cause you know, I've always been a good judge of character on people. I, that's why I think I naturally do have good situational awareness cause I didn't do military, but because I've never been in a fight where I've lost, does that mean I'm that tough? No, it means because I'm not in a position to know to, for one, to go pick a fight with somebody. So the people who are going to pick a fight with me probably are weak. Right. So that's part of the situation awareness. I was never in that position to where like tough people don't want to fight anyway. Like Paul, Paul's not going to come try to pick a fight on somebody. Right. Like, well, I think that that's where that, like right. people being humbled really comes into play too. Yeah. So I've actually never had to get beat up like other than like maybe my dad. Right. But not that they weren't tough, you know, but I never lost those fights because they weren't, maybe they weren't meaner than I was, or maybe they were, too drunk. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like a lot of these were actually in the barracks, of course. Like we're in our well, most years. most people that go looking for trouble and looking for fights aren't that. They're, they're not scared. The fucking tough yeah. guy, and they probably have so many problems. Right. They're out there just trying to show everybody. Look how tough right. I am. It goes back to why they're even drunk to begin with, right? Yeah. Right. Like you know, it, it, we're we're constantly always under the influence of everything, right? Like we're under the influence of life already, and then rather than confront head on and consciously choose to look into like, why do I feel this way? Like, it's not that I don't have any issue with somebody drinking or whatever they're doing, but it's for me, it's always been, why do I feel like I need to drink right now? Yeah. What am I dealing, not dealing with, you know, like what am I not taking on? And so it's the same thing with those guys or guys like that, where it's, what are they not taking on? What are they not dealing with? What are they not, um, fighting with within themselves that's causing them to want to fight people outside of themselves right. over a, a slight over something as simple as hey man can I have a little space because if you really think about it unless you want to go to prison or roll the so every time you fight you're rolling the dice on prison or dying mm-hmm. right because there's one punch homicides a thing also they might have something on them I might have something on me and if we get into it, you know, something goes wrong or I get carried away because rage happens and I end up, you know, pushing this into a felony territory where I'm going to have to go to prison yeah. for a couple of years. Was it worth it? That's mm-hmm. what I want to look back on. You know, like, you know, if they put their hands on Jill or my kids or something, well, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. I'll, I'll do yeah. what I got to do, you know? Um, but outside of that, then you just got to look at, okay, well then why are they doing this? Right. You know, what, what makes you want to be first this drunk in a public space Mm -hmm. and then second, start a fight with some dude that obviously looks like he could crush you. Yeah. You know? So what deal with your issues, man, like deal, like live consciously. Like when something sparks up, when something fires up, when somebody says something that irritates you or annoys you rather than attack them, you know, attack yourself. Like, what is it inside of me that's making me right now want to spark up a little bit and tell this person, go fuck yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I've had even recently, like, people that are friends in conversation say something to me where I was like, the fuck you think you're talking to? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah. You know, why am I having this, like, you know? And um, and I just had to, like, go inside and think about it. And it's like, yeah, man, like, is this, you know, is this part of, not being a cool guy anymore because I'm like retired and I'm not doing cool stuff and I'm not. So am I like, like flaring up at any sign of disrespect? Cause it's not like, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, like when yeah. you're, when you're a cool kid and you're walking through the hallways and stuff and you, you, you know, people are like, Oh man, he's one of the SWAT guys. 
you know what I mean? Or yeah. he's this or he's that. And, and then I had to like, think about it and like, man, you know, is it, is it, is it just that simple mm-hmm. that I'm just not, uh, I was like used to and digging, having people be like, Hey man, he, that's, you know, whatever. And now I don't hear that as much. So now the second I feel like somebody's being disrespectful, am I like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. in that, like, man, you know, getting like pissed and like, don't you know who I am? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. or even worse, like, you know who I am. Yeah. What right. makes you think you can talk like that to me? And so having to like deal with that. And then, so that makes me think about like when people are self-medicating and they're already under the influence of life, you know, and everything going on. And then now they're adding some whatever to it, which is probably not helping because it's just helping them feel better about it rather than, you know, experience that feeling worse about it for a moment so you could fix it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, well, let me just put this Band-Aid on a big pile of leprosy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, wonder why my arm fell off. Because you never fixed it, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with that. Like, I look, you know, like I think about like those guys, you know, like they had to be out of their mind to think they're going to confront you. And it's going to end well. Right. Yeah. You know, like, just like, they're probably the same guys that watch the UFC and are like, just stand up. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Just stand up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just stand up. And it's like, man, it's not going to, but they're so, so far into whatever it is that they're dealing with and just medicating so they don't have to deal with it that they're just clueless on so many levels. And it's yeah. like, come on, man. And I, yeah. Yeah, I feel like what you're just saying is essentially is you had to be introspective. Right. And, Maybe that's because they won't be people like that, you know, like yeah. as soon as it comes to like having to be in their own mind to be in so in, sober in their own mind and introspective, like, Oh my God, I have my failure. I haven't done anything. I suck. I work inside all day. I'm not a man. I'm going to start drinking. And now because I'm not a man, I'm going to go to show someone I'm a man because I don't feel like one. I feel like a 12 year old boy trapped in an old man's body. Right. And it's that introspection they're afraid of. They're afraid of going in the pit. They're afraid of, you know, having to dig out of it. So they maybe just get drunk and it's like, yeah, why be introspective, feel those emotions. It sucks. I'm going to start sending <clears throat> weekly text messages to Paul. Tell him how much of a badass I think he is. <laughs> so he doesn't, like, doesn't hurt anybody or like, get my feelings hurt. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny about, about you, Paul. Uh, cause no, <laughs> well, cause I originally heard you on a podcast, right? And I'm like, fuck that guy's cool. I like the, the way you think about things, the way you, project how you feel about I was like I fucking like this guy so I started following you online all that good stuff and then when we finally had you on our podcast uh, that was big for me I'm like fuck I've been following this guy for however long he is a badass because you you I'm not trying to kiss your ass here but you're one of those people who uses like social media the right way you're not you're not out there projecting how much of a badass you are on social media and putting up all these fake 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 everything's fake you're just posting the shit you're doing every day and it's fucking cool. Right. Whether it's going on a four mile hike, run, whatever, or doing a seminar for jujitsu or whatever it is, the stuff you do is already pretty cool. And so you come off as a badass dude on social media, but it's because you are, you're not projecting that that's the way you are. And so I guess I'm, I am kissing your ass a little bit, but, but then like there, I think there's people out there that have never done anything cool ever and I think it goes like one of two ways. They look for ways to do that cool shit or they want everybody to know how fucking tough they are, even though they're not. Yeah. And I think it's because those people are hurt. Well, like there's something mentally going again, on. Again, they, they, they probably lack direction, right? <clears throat> That's yeah, big say, time. Say they live in this, this neighborhood 
and they work inside all day, what do you have to do? You have no land to take care of. What's going to define you as a man? Maybe you don't have children either. So you have no one to mentor. And so instead of making that plan, having a direction to say, Hey, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to go do a 200 mile ruck or something. I don't know. Or, you know, just something that's challenging. It makes you struggle or suffer a little bit. They just go to the bar and talk about it. Right. Instead of actually doing it. So that's makes it probably makes them insecure. Like, Oh my God, a guy's actually out there just doing it every day. Just like, it's easy. It's like, yeah, well he has direction. He knows what he wants and you're losing, you're missing that direction. So you're going to sit there in this soup you have not feeling like a man and making up for it by getting drunk and being an asshole. Um, but really it comes down to doing things. Just go do things, build your character up, build your morals up based off those. Cause your perception of life is going to change when you suffer a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, do something different. Well, I think people we've talked about this so many fucking times on here, but talk about it one more time. I'm going to people that don't have anything hard going on in their life need to look for something hard like jujitsu or weightlifting or fucking running, whatever. Look for something that challenges you. Just go, yeah. It's going to make you better. Yeah. Like with jujitsu, when I started that, I had no experience whatsoever. And I didn't think I had an ego until I went to my first class and got my ass handed to me for an hour. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I do have an ego because I didn't expect that to happen to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, I think I've told this story in here, but my coach, like, I knew he had a lot of experience, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm bigger than him. I'm stronger than him. I can probably hold him down. You know, something like it. If he didn't want me to do something to him, it wasn't fucking happening. And he wasn't even trying at all. He was just keeping, he was seeing what I was capable of, which was nothing. Absolutely nothing. My, my, my weight and strength had nothing to do with it. As people like you who do jujitsu know, that does come into play later if you get the skill and technique to back it up. But, which I started to see in a short amount of time, year and a half, two years. I was like, oh, hey, now my strength is kind of playing a part here. But, anyways, you get people who have nothing hard. They need to just find something. It doesn't have to be martial arts. It doesn't have to be something like that. Just something that challenges you. makes you, you a student because you have to be humble to be a student and progress. Yeah. Well, and you, I think those you know. guys like you're talking about that you had the altercation, almost had an altercation with, they've probably done that multiple times where they're like, I'm a big guy. And it went their way because it was against somebody else who didn't yeah. know anything. But it's also an archetype because it's not just, you can't just say, oh, it's a one-off incident you being in the streets a long time with dudes. That's not a one offense. That's an archetype, but that's that type of guy. Yeah. Peas and toilet seats. That's like a jackass. He's 12 years old. Like, why do we have that in our country? You know, cause it's too easy. People that are have to, to get tend to land people that have it hard. Don't grow up that way. They don't act like that because they know I'm going to get my ass beat the fuck up. Especially in other countries where you, it's still less, black and white as it is in the U.S. where it's shades of gray. Like in Russia, the cop catches you acting like that. He's going to beat your ass with his club. And then it's like, go home. I'm going to go tell your mom about it. Like there's not gonna, he's not going to go to jail for it. That's normal. He's just fixing someone needs to be fixed, right? And uh, we're, uh, you're talking about Thailand. Thailand, the Thai cops beat people with sticks. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> just, just beat, like I saw you steal that apple and start beating dudes with sticks, you know? Well, and what you were talking about, like I'm going to go talk to your parents. That used to be the way it was here. It's not anymore. Yeah. Like, I've heard so many stories about my my stepdad, but he's who I call dad now. He told me so many stories about when he was young and dumb as a teenager. He The cop would come, and it was here in Boise, but Boise was so much smaller back then. 
And he's like, I could care less about the cop. I knew he was taking me back home to mom and dad and he was going to tell them what just happened. Mm -hmm. They would do that and they could do that back then. I don't, it's some places are too big. Right. And actually that cop was Vern Bisterfeld. That's what which did. you know who he is. That's our jail here is named after him. Yeah. He did that to my dad too. My, <clears throat> yeah. Cause our dad's both 67 years yeah. old. So it's the same time. Like he'd find him with beer and he'd like, give me fucking beer and just take it. And yeah. you know, you know, he was always, like, everyone knew who he was cause he was that guy. Yeah. It's like, we, okay, we no actually, we grew up with his grandson uh -huh. and that's who raised Vern is who raised him. The guy was so odd. I don't even know if he's still alive. It's I been can't some remember years. my dad was saying something. Like I wouldn't have, I mean, he, if he is, he's very old. Bayard Jail, he was named after that guy. He was, he was a cop for a long time, uh -huh. and then he became a city councilman, I think. The commissioner? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so I do want to talk about how you got into jujitsu and stuff. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how you guys met, all that good stuff, because you guys have become like a bunch of people's favorite couple. I'm sure, I'm sure you're aware. We are <laughs> hearing that a lot. <laughs> well, like, you, know, you know what's funny is, I, I think I told you guys this when we went out to coffee that day, but I heard you guys on that the podcast, podcast the Top Mount Top guys. Mount. And I had no idea you guys were a couple. And maybe you weren't at that time, but I'm guessing you probably were. And I was just like, oh, that girl, she because I heard you were talking. I'm like, oh, she's from Boise. That's cool. And I'm listening because I tuned in for Paul because I'm like, fuck, I love listening to that guy on podcast. And then I heard heard a little bit of your story on there. and No idea you guys were together. And then I think it was a little bit later, probably through social media or something, that I realized you guys were together. Like, oh, that's fucking cool. And then when we did our podcast with you, uh, you were here, and and I found out you guys were a couple. So, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> if you're get, let, if you're comfortable let's talking get, about, let's it. get really weird for a second. <laughs> <laughs> New couple story. <laughs> but yeah, if you're if you're comfortable with, it, I'm I'm interested. In like, I'm guessing you met through jujitsu. Yeah, we met through jujitsu uh, because we trained for the same organization. Um, I found jujitsu in. Uh, 2016 through this really odd uh, situation I was in college as an adult as a 40 year old woman and had to do go and do something I'd never done before and then write about it and I was nerding out on chemistry at space bar downtown and complaining to the bartender who's a friend of mine uh, about having to find something I haven't done and having to write about it. And he said, well, why don't you just come to my gym and you can do a consult for jujitsu and you could write about that. And it, I said, that sounds like, a, that sounds like a fine idea. And in my head, I pictured, you know, the top mount apparel t-shirt that says jujitsu is not karate. Yeah, well, yeah. in my head, I pictured karate. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this will be, this will be fun. I'll get to karate chop something. <laughs> kick break, something break some boards. do some high kicks yeah <laughs> and instead I showed up at the gym and they put me in a gi and then Jesse said awesome let's go out into the onto the mat I'll show you a choke from closed guard I'll be on top first <laughs> and I thought in my head oh shit what does on top mean? <laughs> this does not sound like karate chops and kicking <laughs> and I was immediately scared I knew that he was going to be in my bubble and I don't like people in my bubble so I did a 30-minute consult which was collar chokes from closed guard and walked out of that consultation just very perplexed how could some dude I did not know 
how could we have just exchanged chokes and and how do I feel like he's my new best friend? Mm -hmm. It was just this weird, this really weird feeling. And then I thought too, um, that really pressured all of my trigger points. Somebody, you know, how do you wrap your legs around somebody and rest your butt on their thighs? A, A dude that you have never met before. Yeah. You know, how do I let somebody put their, their hands inside the collar of a gi kimono and choke me and how do I let, how do I let that happen? Yeah. It just really was very strange. And so I figured I probably needed to look into it a little bit more. So as a gift to myself for my 40th birthday, I bought myself a membership to the gym and decided to, to pursue jujitsu. So I train at SBG Idaho downtown on Americana and river. And I've been training there for the last five and a half years. I'm a blue belt two stripe, very much a blue belt. (laughs) I'm very immature in my game, but I am hunting. So, um, and then Paul is uh, part of SBG or SBG as well. He's an original, um, I don't know, original coach, you know, uh, one of the founders of this whole organization and a large contributor to um, the way that the, I don't know, the way that the culture and the tribe has been built over the last 30 years. And we had had an affiliate-wide camp in Boise in 2017. And it was my first affiliate-wide camp to go to. And uh, Paul taught his MDOC section, which is street jiu-jitsu self-defense how to kind of acknowledge or identify if you are being targeted how to do i don't know crazy things like knife defense and and weapons defense and all sorts of really cool stuff and i was just i don't know i think how a lot of us are just really um drawn in by his personality, his sense of humor. But for me, just the way that he could take a room full of 150 or 200 people from someone who's been training for three weeks to somebody who's been training for 30 years and speak to everybody's level of experience just has this common language that everybody can identify with and have uh, techniques that anybody can figure out immediately. And that even if you're a black belt, you're, you're gaining knowledge and perspective. And yeah, I just was very drawn to the way that he harnessed the energy of that room. So you fell in love right there. (laughs) Well, (laughs) not right there, but I definitely was just like, who's that guy? Not very many people have that skill. Yeah. And, and, you know, come to find out later as I've gotten to know Paul, one of the things that I really um, admire about him is that he he pursues things he wants to be skilled as a complete individual as a complete human as a complete man and so when he was um, when he knew that he was going to get into instructing and teaching he knew that he needed to have um, study public speaking so he did toastmasters. Hmm. 
you know, so I don't know if many people know that, but he just, he knew that he was going to be speaking to people and working with crowds. And, and so he challenged himself and he went through the Toastmasters curriculum so that when he stood in front of people, he was going to be the best presenter, the best instructor, the best speaker that people had heard. And he does that with everything in his, in his life. And, and so yeah, I don't know. The last you keep an eye on people over social media, and then uh, he came to Boise in 2020 in January, before everything, mm-hmm. before the pandemic. Um, he came into town in January of 2020, and school was about to start for me, my last semester of nursing school, and. He, rev- I didn't have time for his seminar, but I also thought for nursing, one of the things that I want to pursue specifically is self-defense for clinicians because nurses are exposed to a very high level. Well, clinicians, anybody who works in the hospital, especially at the bedside or in the emergency room is exposed to chronic violence, whether it's, you know, words, language, or people, um, Uh, pushing your boundaries or just outright violence, physical violence. And so I really want to bring jujitsu into the clinical setting and have very compelling self-defense for clinicians working at the bedside and really test the clinical environment. And so I went to his seminar really seeking a mentor, somebody to help me uh, try to develop a curriculum for the clinical setting. Uh, I volunteer coach for women warriors, which is self-defense for women that uh, Leah Taylor, one of the black belts for SBG created with the help of Paul. And so I knew that he was going to be my resource. And so, you know, our friendship kind of grew out of that. And then I don't know. Um, And then I, yeah, he had invited me, you know, COVID happened and (laughs) it really took a lot from me. Um, I had left uh, my relationship, my marriage of 23 years. And, um, it, at this time, time that this was happening. And then, you know, two months later, COVID was, was happening and then uh, suddenly I was licensed under the state of emergency and I hadn't even graduated from the nursing program yet but I was working as a graduate nurse tech as at the VA under a state under a temporary license issued under a state of emergency it is literally called a COVID-19 temporary nurse license okay and and you know my birthday came and went without celebration graduation came and went without celebration and i had a lot of cords on my robe that i wanted to show off <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i worked really hard academically when i was in college and i was really looking forward to like barely being able to hold my head up because of the weight of so many cords and my honors college medallion. And none of that happened for me. <laughs> and so he said, well, how about this? How about you come out to the site? I'm instructing there um, for a week and you could come and shoot guns and, you know, just celebrate that way. And so I flew to Illinois and 
he introduced me to the carbine rifle Mm -hmm. and pistol work and I did things that I never saw myself doing with guns and turns out I'm actually kind of naturally good at it for some weird reason. I had an amazing time. I um, did precision rifle work with Jim Cobber and yeah, just found myself like shooting a moving target from 300 yards, calling my own wind. It was a pretty amazing week. Mm -hmm. And that started... That's where our relationship started. <laughs> so, so you, it's all around guns. Like, all right. So you you fell in love with him speaking jujitsu. I fell in love with him speaking on a podcast. Kevin, <laughs> where, did, where when did you fall in love with Paul? <laughs> We're not going there. No, I, you know it's it's. I think I said that to Jess when she was here. I'm like I'm like no. I had a little man crush on Paul. Like I'm not even joking. There's like two guys that I've seen online. I'm like I get this little man crush. I'm not too proud to say it was a man crush was you and mike glover because that fucking dude i'd say i'd love to talk to you someday but but no i mean that's that's really cool that you guys came together that way though i mean and we i think we say this a lot we were built for each other we really kind of manifested well that's not even the right word for for it but we were really we ended up building ourselves for each other you know, as I progressed with jujitsu and, and dealt with things in my life, I really thought a lot about who I wanted to be. If I, if I was leaving, you know, preparing, trying to figure out how to deal with, um, you know, alcoholism, alcohol addiction in my marriage and, and, you know, just things that were happening there and ending that and moving forward as an adult, as a 44-year-old at the time, who do I want to be? How do I want to be? And I knew that I wanted a partner that I could work out with. I want to run with. I want to lift weights with. I want to do jujitsu with. I don't want to be in a relationship where I am completely autonomous and independent great. I'm a strong, independent woman. That's fine. I want a partner. Mm -hmm. I want somebody that can share in these things with me and push me and motivate me, inspire me. And maybe I can have some influence on them too. I was going to say, it doesn't take anything away from you either. You can still be a strong, independent person, but have him to rely on. It's exactly that. That's the type of partnership I, I was looking for. And that is represented, represented in, um, the art that Jessica from JM Artworks mm-hmm. painted for me that Paul commissioned. He had sent me this image um, at the beginning of the year that I kept on my, it's the wallpaper on my Facebook and it's on my cell phone just to remind me, but the back, it's a, like a burned out background in the back and then a, a woman with a samurai sword on her back and a rifle on her front and the glove off of her firing hand off her trigger finger. And she has blown up her past and left it all behind. And she's moving forward, but she's ready to fight her way through if she has to. And then she has this huge tiger standing to her right, just behind her. And you know, where this tiger's like, I'm not here to fight your battles for you. 
but I am right next to you the moment that you need me. And that became very much a metaphor for how I viewed my relationship with Paul is I, sure, I'm independent and all of these other things, but I'm stronger when I have the right partner at my side who is ready to, um, who is ready to reinforce me when I need it mm-hmm. that's, and, and that's, vice versa. That's important. Yeah. And I don't even necessarily think it has to be like, say a couple, if someone can find a good friend to be that mm-hmm. form or anything like, like me and my wife and I are very similar in that aspect. Like she's an independent, strong. I'm not telling my w- wife what to do ever. Mm-hmm. She does things her way, but she knows I'm there. If she needs me, it's the same <clears throat> vice versa. Like she's always there. If I need her, I can go do my own thing, you know, but like even something like this podcast, it started with her pretty much saying, that's your thing. Do that. Well, now she's doing our website. She's doing something, but I'm so happy she's there to help me with that. You know what I mean? So yeah. if it's a couple or a friend to fall back on when you need, because I pe- think people can act as tough as they want. People need people sometimes. They do. And I think support being supportive is kind of an interesting thing to think about. You know, some people would think, well, I'm supporting you because I'm, I'm getting out of your way. I'm letting you go for it. You know, I'm just staying out of the way, telling you, giving you like a, a good job Mm -hmm. or, or whatever, or, you know, but the kind of support, which is kind of what I came from, you know, it's just that type of support. Like I just get out of your way and let you do your thing and you have all this drive and motivation and you make things happen and, you know, you're always driving forward and doing, but I, if I can do what I have done in that type of environment, what can I do when someone's actually part of the conversation, part of the strategy, part of the, like, let's get up and do this. I know we haven't trained for this half marathon, but you know, we just got to kind of gut, gut check ourselves and test ourselves and just make sure we're always ready. Even if we're not at top performance, just that sort of, that sort of Mm, thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's like you said, being friends or even just being friends first, you got to build a friendship. And a lot of people don't get that or makes them feel weird when you say that. But it's like, no, like if someone makes you mad, what are you really saying? You're saying you're being a shitty friend, be a good friend, you know, you, cause you need that friendship. Cause it's not just passion that like we have passion, intimacy, love, and it's all built off the friendship first. It's like me and Jake are intimate. And for people who are not, Understanding what I mean, intimate is an intimate. This is an intimate conversation. We're being intimate right now. We're okay, intimate in other ways too. We'll keep yeah. that behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> I just do see intimacy. Okay, passion is like, yeah, we're putting the polka dots on. We're fucking hanging from the rafters. We're naked. We're doing crazy <laughs> shit. Passion can be as extreme as you want it to be, and it's cool because you have that intimacy, you have the love and the friendship, you know. So yeah, the friendship is huge, and only. I've only woken up recently to like why that was so big, why I didn't get it. You know, I was always motivated. Let's go do this. Let's go camping. Let's get the hell out of town. Let's take the kids to do something. Anything I wanted to do was the opposite. If I'm in, if I'm in the bacon, she's boycotting bacon. Like, why do you resent me? It felt like resentment. Like if I'm into something, you're not, but I'm into everything. So she was into sitting here watching uh, the Kardashians and getting drunk. And you know, 
there's, and then I realized, oh, this is not a good influence on my children. Like, that's why I have 80% custody. I'm not being a dick by saying that because I don't need these alcohol. Um, and I don't want to sit here. That's for recovery. That's when you earn it, right? Mm-hmm. You Discipline gives you freedom. Yeah. Right? If you really want to watch a movie, it's probably because you've been doing a lot and you're beat down to watch a movie. It's not something you do all day. You don't eat ice cream and pizza all day. It's something you do maybe one meal a week. I don't do cheat days. I'm too sensitive to fucking sugar, gluten, dairy, because of sugar and everything. You know, the sugar, the gluten, the dairy. So I have to eat strict. So I have one meal a week where I'm like, let's fucking do this. Like, we're going to go off the rails. Cookies on cake, on ice cream, (laughs) on pizza. He's not even joking. No, like, I eat whole cakes. Like, why not? Like, if I'm going to feel bad, I'm going to feel bad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But doing it. Yeah. Honestly, the best I ever felt was cheating. It was uh, bi-weekly. So every every other week, one cheat meal. And it would be like, you know, half of a New York style cheesecake, you know, uh, pizza, you know, something like that. But um, I just, for the mental aspect, it's like, okay, I feel like I need it every week, which says, why am I stressed out, right? Um, you know, a combination of school, because I'm not wired for it. Like, yeah, I'm a critical thinker. Like, I'm a senior in the physics program. We've proven, okay, he's he's but for the book smart, but I hate it at the same time. I want it because I love astrophysics, but I am a physical person. And that's why I feel like I need, that's why I've gotten fatter. I got boobs. Like it's the stress of sitting down in classrooms. I'm not wired for that. I need to be outside being productive and creating things, but this is worth it for my children's future. Right. If I, if it's something that can help or give me tools to do something for them. But, um, so anyway, yeah, going back to like, why would you drink? Why would you eat sugar? There's a reason why. And that's my reasons. And that's like, I'm still healthy, but it's like, hey, I can't get away from it. Like, that cheesecake looks really fucking good right now. <laughs> cheesecake. Paul loves cheesecake. Oh, man. Cheese, it's, cheesecake's oh, yeah. probably yeah. my favorite. It, it, cheesecake is wonderful. Yeah. It, it really it's is. Wonderful. I always tell people, like, what's the way to your heart? And like, cheesecake. Like, bring me a cheesecake and I'll do whatever you want. I'm going to clean your guns. You want me to uh, my, go shoot? My mother in law. <laughs> dude, my mother in law makes the best cheesecake. I'll have to have her make you one. She does all these different styles, but my favorite one, she does an Oreo crust. <laughs> Oh, that was good. It's amazing. It's it's amazing. But no, like what Kevin was saying about like intimacy and stuff. Yeah, you can have that in a friendship as well. And like with the shit Kevin's gone through this past year with his ex-wife and stuff like that, we have had intimate conversations, Kevin and I. I've become like his unlicensed therapist, Mm -hmm. which I do my best. I try to be there for him, stuff like that, which is kind of funny. We've had a couple people that I know who listen to this reach out and say, you need to go to school to be a therapist to me. I'm like, including me, yeah. yeah, including Kevin. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about then that. Then again, you're on, you're only 32. <clears throat> yeah. You're not, there's, losing. there's a lot of life had, I, I don't know if that's something I'd be interested Financial, in, but I yeah. do like, if I'm capable of helping somebody I know get through something, I'm going to try everything I can. And we've become way fucking, we were already becoming closer friends over the past couple of years, but through all the shit he's been through, I just try to, try to help him out. And I think that's important for someone to have somebody in their life. And I think I might've talked about this on here before too, is I was always the type if I'm friends with somebody or even trying to be in a relationship with somebody. As soon as I start seeing like chaos drama, I'm like, okay, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I don't want anything to do. And they could be a friend of mine, but I'm like, I'm distancing. I don't need that in my life. But I've realized over this past year with like Kevin, it's like, okay, okay. I, I can take a little bit of this on to ease ease them and talk with them, talk them through it. And yeah, it, intimacy with your partner is important, but with a friend too. I mean, 
people need someone to help them through stuff sometimes. A lot of people think they can do stuff all by themselves, and some can maybe, but I think it's a lot better for people to have somebody to talk well, things through with. You communicate with your best friend, don't you? Or people to like show, s- you, show you how to do something the right way. Right. Like I said, he's been that for me when it comes to working out and stuff like that. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm going to go to someone who does. But all you need to be able to do is communicate. So I said your friend is someone you can communicate with and you can read the person in the way because you need you need the masculine or the nurturing at any given time. Some people need one more more often, right? And if you can read that in someone, you're a good communicator. And you're a good communicator if you're actually really friends. If you're not really good friends first, then you're probably just fuck buddies who got married. Like, oh, damn. Cause that happens a lot, right? You You have limerence, which lasts up to 18 months, right? And people get married in the first few, so they're really just getting married because of limerence. They're just married because they have an infatuation that you don't know why we have it, but you can measure limerence, right? So you know what's there. And then they become fuck buddies who never learned communication and how to be good friends along the way. And then, like, well, now we have a kid, so let's just stick it out and get drunk every night, you know? Like, yeah. So back and to that the happens, that happens far too often. Yeah. I think that's a big reason divorce rates are as high as they are. Cause, and that's the other thing. When people have children, they think they have to stick it out. and work. Well, no, you, do. you don't. That's I think that's worse for the kids to see two people who fucking hate each other and they're trying to mask it and hide it in front of the kids. And mm-hmm. That is not good. Like I remember back to my mom and my real dad. They hated each other. Then my mom and my stepdad love each other, still do to this day. They're still married. They've been married since I was seven years old. And he treated her with respect. And I always saw that. And I... I carried that over to my wife. My real dad, there was no respect whatsoever. He was an asshole. Mm-hmm. It's not good for children to see their parents disrespect each other, first of all, and not not love each other, not have that friendship. It's been really interesting having my daughter get to know Paul. I, Speaking of your steps, um, treating each other with respect, um, after Paul met Amelia, he kind of added her to his daily... Paul's really great. He sends, he has his tribe. He has his group of people and he checks in with them every single morning as part of his morning routine. And so he threw her into the mix and she, I did not know that he was doing this. You know, he doesn't announce it, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that. It's not part of his ego. And so one day she was, she and I were talking and she said, mom, Paul is so perfect for you in you know all of these ways she was kind of talking about him like that and then she said he checks in with me every single morning and I've never had that before and it feels really good Mm -hmm. and then you know as she's hanging out with us seeing the way that he treats me even if I'm driving like I drove here and I'll drive home in my pickup but when we walk out to my pickup even though I'm driving, he's going to open the door for me. Mm -hmm. And so she is dating this new kid and she, she likes him enough to introduce him to us. But she said, I really want him to see how Paul is with you. I want him to see what it means to, um, not just be a man, but be a gentleman, you Mm -hmm. know, and how she just said, I love watching Paul open all of the doors for you and pull your chair out for you. And do all these things. And I want Jordy, I want Jordy to see that and to do that. 
just so amazing to hear to hear that as a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but then here was an op- observation that we made yesterday. Um, my daughter is a lot like me. She's just like take charge. She's, you know, she works very much on the masculine side. I think in the same way that I did in my relationship, my other relationship. And so we were going to the restaurant and she is just charging through the door, opens the door, walks herself through. We go to Wahoo's to play putt-putt golf and she's just charging through. She's going to find out where we get our tickets to play putt-putt. And so finally I pulled her back and I said, Punky, that's my name for her. Her name is Amelia. Punky, you need to give a man time to be a man. So if you want Jordy to learn to open the door for you, then you just, you need to make sure that you give him time to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, even if I arrive at the door first, I'm definitely going to step back and hang back and give Paul time to open it. Um, but you can't just go charging through. You have to create opportunity. And, and so I think uh, balancing out the masculine and the feminine, if you, I don't know where I'm going with this, but if you're balancing out the masculine and the feminine, you have to, the feminine has to give the masculine space. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, if I want to be feminine and create that space, then my timing needs to be right too. Well, there's a reason they say that relationships take work. That's part of the work. Yeah. And like, I also think it's important for the kids to see that, they like I was saying earlier, they love each other. There's something there. Or it's important for say you to see that Paul loves you and vice versa. Like my thing one of my things with my wife, like one way I let her know I still find you attractive is I'm gonna smack her on the butt every time I walk by her. That's just something I do. And if I don't, she's probably gonna look at me like, What the hell are you doing? You know, and little things like that I think are super important to do and continue to and you don't have to sit there and tell your significant other every two seconds like hey i think you're beautiful you know stuff but little things it does need to be reinforced yes it really does it it takes a lot of work and some people just aren't meant to be together too that that happens too also it feels good and we should engage with things that make us feel good about ourselves and and that are i mean you you talked a little bit about chaos earlier Mm -hmm. and really shying away from people who create chaos in your life. So my big thing is what brings us closer together in our relationship. And I do not understand why people need to bring the chaos of negativity and why they feed off of the energy from that chaos. The energy that I want to feed off of is what brings me closer to my partner. What makes me feel good and drives me forward so, you know, just the energy of making a good p- plan for the day or lifting weights together or jujitsu. I mean, jujitsu, always jujitsu or shooting guns or watching gun videos or, um, I don't know, we make our coffee in the morning and then go for a walk, just a gentle walk and ease ourselves into our morning. That feels really good, even mm-hmm. if it's 530 in the morning, but that's the kind of energy or the conversations that bring us closer together. Even if there's a little bit of conflict in there, some, you know, something that we need to negotiate and work our way through a hard conversation, it should always be with the goal of bringing us closer together. It should never drive us further apart or drive us into chaos or drive us into any type of negative 
energy, even if it gets intense and high emotional, it should never be uh, n- negative and chaotic. Yeah, no. I agree. No, because even if it's emotional, you know, if you're friend, like I said, if you're friend with the other person again, you know, like we take that break, take a second. Because if you don't take a second, it's, there's doors going to be slammed, right? Or something's going to be said that shouldn't even be said to hurt. Because you know, if they're your best friend, you know what to say to hurt them, right? So it's like, back it up and then let's not react. Let's be responsive instead of reactive, obviously. And we, we just talk it out. Like, and it's like, oh man, like I didn't realize I did that. You didn't realize you did that, you know? And it's like, then it's not a problem. It's just a, it's just a misunderstanding because we're not perfect. We're, we're monkeys, you know, and we're trying to be civilized. <laughs> well, I think also <clears throat> it's people who have had like failed relationships in the past to be able to get another relationship. Like you said, you had a marriage of 20 something years, but you didn't like, Oh, all men are the devil. And I'm not ever going to talk to another man. Like Kevin's going through the same shit. He's just ended a marriage of a long time. But he's not writing off all women afterwards, and I've seen people do that too. I made a comment. I was like, "Man, I should probably just go gay because <laughs> go gay." Like, <laughs> can you just go that way? Can you just go there. Like, <laughs> like I, I know you're born that way. I, I'm just saying that that's always an option too. Like, no, but like, like you didn't like write off all women right away. You. Which no. I've seen people do it. I don't, I don't think that's healthy. That's either. what I did after my high school girlfriend. Because I've only been in two relationships. Yeah. Um, and interesting thing too, because I, I thought, even by the time we, because we're thirty two, by the time we've been coming up, a lot of that the chivalry's been gone. Like I remember when I met my wife, I was twenty, she was eighteen, and I was open door, truck door, door to a restaurant, wherever. And she's like, no one's ever done that for me. I'm like what? And this is Alaska. I thought Alaska was very conservative. Like, it doesn't matter if conservative or not. People are just shitheads now, apparently. Um, but before her, like, I didn't really let my guard down when I met her. Because after the last one screwed me over for my, through my first deployment and stuff, one of my buddies, he was this Italian dude and this big, like, bro, you know. He's like, the one thing you need to know, not forget, all women are whores. And that, for some reason, actually helped me get over her for a second. But then I was like, well, that's not going to help me. I was already 20. I was like, I'm like that's not going to meet anybody because I don't treat women that way intrinsically. And that doesn't help me build intimacy with them because I, 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 that's why I'm a very monogamous person, actually. I'm not good with one-night stands. Um, so I was like, that didn't work. So I was like, maybe for some guys, that's unhealthy. Anyway, to think that way. Like, oh, all women are whores. Just make sure you know that. Like, okay. But it was, again, having to let your guard down and just be like, who am I really? And let's do this again. But I feel like the more times I've done that, the more times it's hard for me to put that bring that wall down because it's not like I'm choosing to do it, and you probably didn't choose to do it either. It's just like it's a reaction. Like you see someone they're talking to you, and then the walls up, and then now they're like, "Oh, you're hard to read." It's like, yeah, because yeah. I'm 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 not I'm not driving the steering wheel right now. I'm not. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things I've been doing for well over a year now is just examining all of the conditioning that you, uh, all of the conditioning that you go through in an alcoholic relationship, um, and how, you know, kind of knowing, okay, I've been in this kind of relationship. I'm coming out of it. I'm identifying with these stages of abuse or uh, of the addiction, uh, my role in it as an enabler, all of these things. But what do I need to leave behind and leave out of this, out of this relationship going forward? And I think, you know, 
the most challenging thing for me was being able to have a difficult conversation because of what I was, the response that I was used to. I mean, it just, I would, it was, it was impossible. It was impossible for me to be honest about some things and it was impossible for me to be willing to have a hard conversation and not think, well, this is the end, this is over. And I just lost the best thing that ever happened to me, (laughs) you know? Um, And it was also extremely difficult to trust, to just to trust somebody and actually say, okay, I am intentionally going to allow this person to hear every thought that I think and every emotion that I feel, this is where I'm going to be honest with myself and with my partner for the first time ever in literally my entire life, probably. And it's been a really interesting journey. It's been a really interesting uh, time to get to know myself and um, acknowledge you know, things that I did and the purpose behind them and not try to make excuses. Um, You know, in the midst of all of this other chaos in the world, you know, it's just, it's been a really exhausting year, but also the best and most, um, I, I don't know, like the best year of my life by far and the hardest at the same time. That make that makes sense. No, emotionally, it's taxing. Oh, my gosh. It's well, like, professionally yeah. and personally, you know, it's just, you know, getting all of your walls completely torn down personally. And then, but being really excited about laying that foundation again and all of that. But then being a COVID nurse. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, and your profession, especially this last year. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like this weird sort of, you know, this pandemic comes out and then there's all this weird nurse hero worship stuff going on and and then you know like some days thinking I'm going into work every day and I'm probably gonna I'm being asked to die you know Mm -hmm. front line I mean it's kind of funny now looking back on not funny it's actually really kind of traumatic but (laughs) you know it's just like man I can kind of I can I can laugh a little bit about the stuff that we were thinking a year and three months ago I, you know, but, but information changes things and we know things now that we did not know then, but seriously, when the pandemic started and the PPE shortages and, you know, all of these mm, metropolitan areas dealing with this healthcare crisis that suburban areas were just never going to deal with, No, you know, the difference between urban and rural and, and healthcare systems and what you have available to you really, really matters. But back then, man, I was like, this is a death sentence. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you just sell a bunch of people raiding Walmarts and fighting over it. Taking all the toilet you, paper. You see the worst in people, but what you see is people. See, you, I don't see the worst in people. I see people because the people you think you see every day, it's just a facade. It's, you know, because everything is going all right. You know, my best friends will always be the people that I saw them at their worst because I know who they really are, right? Mm-hmm. I could put on a facade right now. You walk in the door, I'm like, hi, oh my God, life is awesome. Life is good. Be fucking positive, you know? 
And then my dog died. I don't have a dog, but actually, <laughs> if my dog died, I wouldn't give a fuck because I don't really like dogs. But if it died, then it. So you're a cat guy. <laughs> I'm not a cat guy. I don't have any animals. But cats are cool because you know where you stand with them. It's like, hey, fucker, uh, where's my food? Like, I don't want you to pet me. Where is it at? You know, the dogs that can, like, live up on you first. And, you know, <laughs> for me, I, still, I don't have time. Like, I don't have time to pick up poop. Like, I already got kids, you know. You're already um, picking up their poop. But. But you can put on that facade, but, um, you know, when something goes bad for that person, then you see them shrink or you see them be an asshole. It's like, it's the guy who's wealthy who donates to his church and says he's a Christian, right? And then he loses his money and now he's not there for people anymore. Like, why did that money, why did that affect you? Without, with or without that money, you should have been there for somebody, right? And I'm not religious, but this actually, is, this is in the Bible. So, I don't know, 3,000 years ago, people were talking about this. They were pretty, we're not that dumb in general because we're talking about this, you know. Um, and so anyway, that's that's what I saw. I saw people and the people who have good fundamental values and who are strong internally, we're not doing that. Go figure because they're like, they have a head on their shoulders. And so that's what kind of made it gross to see all that was, it's like, there's your people right there. There's, there's everyone at your church. There's everyone greeting you at your butt job that you think is awesome. And there they are. They're disgusting. Right. Um, I'm sorry. That's really harsh, but, <laughs> but it lets you know where you're, where you're at, where they're at, where, where you're at, you know? Um, so COVID was a really cool thing in a sense of that, not in a sense of people dying prematurely who were going to die probably in the next few years. Anyway, like my grandma got it. I'm talking about this. My grandma got, or my step grandma got it twice. We're like, what the fuck is someone going to kill her? She's an <laughs> asshole. You know, how, how old is she? She's 92. Yeah. Um, my grandpa, he got it. He didn't die from it. He died cause his foot went numb and then he fell on his head. Um, this is in, in December. Um, and it wasn't COVID, but I think it was one of those times where they declared it as COVID. It's like, no, he had, he was asymptomatic. His foot was numb when he fell and hit his head and had, you know, and it was one of those cases too, which is, I guess it happens all the time where, he actually, after the first day, seems like he's doing better than he was before. Very alert. Just like, oh, man, when I was 10 years old in Wisconsin, walking in the snow 10 miles, man, life isn't that good anymore. Just wait with it. And then the next few days later, then he dies, right? Because that happens a lot with the head injuries, I guess. Um, so that was the same way. So with COVID, it's like, I, it sucks. It sucks ass. But there's a lot. You always have to look at the good that comes out of it, right? The kid that breaks his leg. And then the conscription, the conscription comes around the next day for World War One. The pole draft him, and his legs broke, so they don't take him. There's good that comes out of things, you know, that you you see as bad, and that was one of the good things. You see people for what they are, and you hope they saw themselves and said, "Can I make myself better now? Can I really be a stronger person?" Because I didn't like the way I looked there, you know. Um, so I don't know. That, that's maybe think about when you're talking about COVID. Like there has to be something good out of it. Well, <clears throat> you saw the the best and the worst in people, and. Like I, I saw a lot of people <clears throat> after COVID start doing shit that they really wanted to do that they never did before. And it's either because they thought shit, maybe life's not that long or shit. Maybe I'm not allowed to go do something now. And so they, I'm going to do this now cause I might not be able to later. Yeah. And I saw a lot of people do things that whether it's starting a podcast or whether it's getting into jujitsu, whatever, I saw people do things that maybe, this weird time pushed them to get into this thing that they really wanted to do. I feel yeah. like this is kind of one of the most complex uh, situations we have found ourselves in, in a really, really in, I don't know, I don't know, decades. 
a generation or two maybe, but just the complexity of uh, technology, um, people able to telecommute, being forced to quarantine, isolate, uh, deal with a global, or excuse me, deal with a pandemic that different country, like everybody's handling it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. How we t- how we took in information, how we filtered information, who we decided to identify, like how we identified the group that we were going to mm-hmm. align ourselves with, what we allowed our government to do, an economic shutdown, how we allowed large corporations to assume even more power oh, yeah. over the market that, you know, we could allow Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Albers, you know, all of these places could stay open, but independently owned and operated businesses had to, cl- had to close. Mm-hmm. And just the turmoil that, that has caused the financial collapse of so many households or uh, assuming this financial toll that are paying people to stay home, paying people more than they've ever been paid to stay home, you know, and That's here, communism. here, yeah, it's just, it is, I mean, on, it's just, it is so incredibly complex all the way from the, from just society as a whole to the end, all the way down to the individual and lessons to be learned across the entire spectrum. But really how, how is freedom and liberty changed in this moment? And how are we, how are we, go, how are we going, how do we go forward? Right. How do we build, rebuild an economy? The, uh, Have you noticed how many help wanted signs are out? Yeah. And then people Nobody, are, nobody's working and people are angry because governor Otter is going to stop taking the federal contribution. But I, and and then there's this discussion of a living wage and all of that. And I, I understand, I mean, you can't afford to rent a house right now. Mm-hmm. You, you can't afford to work for 12 or $13 an hour in this town anymore. But you're also, you know, you're not 15 or 16 or 17 or an 18 year old kid. Like you shouldn't expect to earn a living wage at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's different if you're a professional server or something like that. But, you know, like we have to examine this economy and this and our society and people have to be willing to work. We cannot pay people to stay home and be nonproductive. No, it's you know, there's so many restaurants. You walk into so many restaurants now and places like that and they have signs up saying, you know, no, what is it? DoorDash, no, whatever, because mm-hmm. we don't have the help. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough people to do it. And then there's a, a diner that we like to go to right on State Street that's closed down because of lack of staff. You know, they're like, listen, we don't have enough staffing. We don't have whatever it is. So, you know, we're closed, you know. And so you look at that kind of stuff and you go, man, well, where does this end? And how does this end? And mm-hmm. how do we rebuild? And how? But it's been interesting to watch all this stuff kind of transpire under the under the umbrella of a pandemic. And then you think, so where does this go? Mm-hmm. You know, and how does this turn out? And luckily, now it's looking like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know. And I, I do know some people are going back to work. They're yeah. even talking about the people that were working from home are going to start going back to work. 
But apparently there's some companies that they're not going to go back. They're going to keep them from home because they're more productive. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. which is cool. I mean, if people want to work from home, good for them. Right. But it seems like there's, like I know in the industry I'm in, there's already a shortage of truck drivers. There has been for years. Young young people just aren't doing that type of work. Over this last year, it's become even harder to find good mm-hmm. good help. And that's happening yeah. at I, restaurants now. Um, there's what's that? Zamzos is like a like what do they sell plants and stuff like that? They they're closing early now because they don't have enough people there. Oh wow! Yeah, it's. Well, here's the thing too is like we can have a huge discussion about this because you could do all the pros and cons list of like we could do a whole podcast on on this last year. Yeah, Yeah. but like year working from home, I like it because less carbon emissions. Someone's not driving to work. I dislike it because it might promote them to get less sunshine and be less healthy. Yeah. I dislike it because personally, I need a mission. Even if it's like getting, getting up early, getting my shit ready to go, getting squared away, and driving to that location. That's mm-hmm. a mission. Yeah. My mission does not work very well when it's just standing up in pajamas or naked and going yeah. on a Zoom call. Or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the mission. and I. So I'm not saying one way or the other one's worse than the other, but because um, there's pros and cons to both. But... You know, with all of the rhetoric used to scare people, you know, the, the English language, language in general is so profound and strong because you use a type of rhetoric to get control over people and their actions, to stay at home, to not want to work. And then when they're not working, you're like, I'm still getting paid for it. And what about this whole stipend thing that in the June that might happen, the $300, whatever? It's like, that's promoting people not being work, work uh, working sorry not being work not holy shit i'm having a stroke (laughs) that's promoting people not to work like that's not good we are human beings we're meant for manual labor this this is called we also have to look at where's this money coming from who's gonna pay it back seriously right like i don't want you know your kids you know and their kids kids to have to pay this debt back. It's mm-hmm. coming from somewhere. There's no yeah. such thing as free money. No. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's what I don't think... There's a whole discussion on that, too. Like, we have these these folks that are like, well, it's it's stipend money. It's this. Where's it coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, and how are you going to pay it back? Like, this, you know, the, one of the politicians uh, we were talking about the other day, that, you know, remember the famous quote, like, a trillion here and a trillion there, and after a while you start talking about some real money. Yeah. And I remember a buddy of mine who is a multimillionaire businessman. He said to me, only a politician would say that because mm. it's play money to them. Yeah. They've never had to earn it, you know? And so, you know, now we have a generation of folks who also don't understand, like, this money has to come from somewhere. It has to be paid for. This is not free. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's no such thing as free. So you know, what are we going to do with this and how's it going to work and how's it, you know, when we start looking at all that kind of stuff, you know, and then like you were saying, like with the language issue too, you know, we're seeing so much uh, divisiveness and, and all that kind of stuff going with this. And, and it kind of all circles back to all the stuff we've been talking about where, you know, there's, there's two things that your body's constantly craving, right? Like endorphins or adrenaline. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're constantly looking for that drug, that feeling of being drugged. And it seems like the body craves adrenaline more, you know, because adrenaline's just greater. Because under endorphin, 
you know, you kind of just want to chill, yeah, you know, and relax. But under adrenaline, you feel like Superman or Superwoman. Like you, under adrenaline, I can pick up a car. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can punch my way through that wall and leave if I wanted, you know, under adrenaline. And so the body really craves that superhuman feeling. And what, what sparks adrenaline? Well, like I open my social media and I read some divisive headline, manipulative headline regarding all this stuff that feeds into that adrenalized state of, well, now I'm mad. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm pissed about, are you kidding me? You know, now they're going to, now that, now they're, you know, Fauci's emails are saying that masks were never necessary, you know, and nobody takes the time to go, well, hold on, hold on, yeah, man. Yeah. Things change as we learn more information, yeah. you know, and things change over time. But they just fixate on the part that pissed them off, which was, well, back in the, you know, the first three months of this thing, he said masks weren't necessary. Mm-hmm. That feeds into now I'm mad, now I'm adrenalized, and now I feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you said, most of the time that's, People see that one little snippet and they don't look any farther into it, and they they think that's the facts right there. Because they got their fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, exactly. They just got their hit of adrenaline. Yeah. They yeah. just got that hit. They create, you know, it's yeah. like, and then you, you have, know, they just you have the pipe, and now yeah. they're like, yeah, I'm adrenalized. Yeah, I don't need anymore. I yeah. got what I needed, and our brains are starting to get wired that way, and we're starting to become this society of headlines mm-hmm. and snippets, and yeah. you know, I look at people, and what was the thing you sent? Cliche thought-stopping cliche you know like there's certain terms we use like it is what it is or you know whatever things like that where yeah arresting thought arresting cliche like it stops thought Mm -hmm. like i said that that's all i need to say it 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 is what it is it was god's will yolo you only live once you know kevin says that all the time yeah you're having you're having this conversation (laughs) you're having this conversation you're like oh well it is what it is and that is a thought arresting cliche yeah it just it's a conversation stopper it's just like those those headlines where we feed that adrenaline and it's a thought arresting headline or a thought arresting cliche like i don't need to think any further Mm -hmm. i don't need to look into this any deeper like i that's all i needed and, yeah. be- and because I got the adrenaline out of it, because I got that dope out of it, I'm done. I'm good for a little while until I need another one. Yeah, yeah. And then I find something else to be angry about or something else to be chaotic. I feel that chaos. And yeah. That, like, you know, and it's, man, it's not healthy. It's not good for us. And and I really, um, I, I look at some of this stuff and, and I think about, like, you know, like one of the kind of the, the fundamentals of, you know, like the Stoic philosophy and stuff um, when we look back on that kind of stuff and, and it's, I hate even bringing up like stoic philosophy cause it's like bumper stickers and t-shirts now, you know? Hmm. Um, but when we look back on that kind of stuff and like one of their main things was, you know, control the controllables and then control your response to the uncontrollables. There's nothing you can do about death, but you control how you respond to death mm-hmm. and you can control how you die in like, I can't control if, I get smashed by a meteor right now, but I can go out in a certain manner, you know, and there's nothing. So when I look at this kind of stuff, I'm like, this is a perfect, like we were saying, this is a perfect time and, and framework to exercise those disciplines. You know, this is a perfect time because so much of this is out of our control. So much of this is the uncontrollable. Uh, I can't help that one restaurant doesn't ask me to wear a mask. Or, you know, one of my kind of my pet peeves, not even a pet peeve, but just if I'm standing in the restaurant, walking through the restaurant, I have to wear a mask. 
But if I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm safe. That's it's different. Re- that's different air. Because COVID can't float down those extra two yeah. feet and I, get to me. I think yeah. that that comes down to people like the people that run the restaurant. They just don't know what the fuck to do. Well, no, they're, that's they're the trying, thing. And, but yeah, yeah, and the thing is, so what do I do? Do I become frustrated and angry and just refuse to ever go to a restaurant again? Yeah. Or do I find a way to control my response to the uncontrollable? Yeah. I don't have any control over that. Yeah. Like I can't walk up to that restaurant owner and be like you realize how ridiculous this is like you get it right like a difference of two feet what's going to kill me that's all i do come on bro yeah i look for affirmation that i'm not a crazy person (laughs) and then i get over it i go hey don't you think i was stupid we had to walk with masks and sit down and take them off that seems like people don't know how to think for themselves they just go what the government say like if you're relying on the government for your information and your money and everything else you should probably go get fucked. Maybe, yeah. maybe stand by and choke yourself for a while yeah. until some brain cells start, start working because that's the wrong, incorrect way of thinking. And if someone just says, yeah, I agree, that was stupid, I'm like, okay, I'm not a crazy person. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's be slippery now. Yeah, yeah. Sticky for a second, let it get to me, and then let's be slippery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be super. Well, you talk about like controlling that situation. Yeah, you yeah. control how you react. Like me personally, if, if I do think like, if I'm getting COVID in this building, I'm getting COVID in this building. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to put my mask on until I get to that seat. Right. Problem solved. Just Nobody has an issue. Nope. I don't like we go back to ego again. Yeah. I think because over this past year, whether people think masks work or they don't work or whatever, I'm also kind of a rule follower. I always mm-hmm. have been. And if a business has a sign on their door, I'm just going to put it on. Why go in and cause conflict over something so stupid? Well, it's like a business asking me to wear a coat. Like, yeah. Yeah, you and know, like you know, like a certain restaurants would be like, "Well, you have to." I've been in restaurants before where you were like, "Hey, this looks like a cool place. Let's drop in," and then they're like, "Well, sir, you need a, a coat." Yeah, you know, I'm like, "Well, I don't have one." And do <laughs> do they they always have a coat you can yeah. borrow? They'll, yeah. they'll, you know, like the the restaurants that require a coat will also usually say, "Well, we have one you can wear." Yeah. And then they'll hand you a jacket, you know. Yeah, like a, I don't I like would, a, like a dress. Yeah, yeah. something, yeah. and it's like, all right, cool, man. Like yeah. you pre you create you presented me with a with a problem, but you also gave me a way to solve yeah. it if I choose to stay. Yes, and yeah. so I'm like, all right, cool, I'm cool with it. It's your business. You can tell me what you want to tell me. You know, yeah. that's the thing is, I also wouldn't choose to stay. Yeah, that's the other side. Right? Like, like I can always be like, hey, I'm gonna bounce out of here. Yeah. but I just look at it the same way. It's like, look, how am I gonna respond to this? Mm-hmm. You know, I have I have this opportunity to control the controllables, and then I also have the the, uh, the opportunity to control my reaction to the uncontrollable. And okay, I'll control my reaction. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll try my best to be cool about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I, I just think that's probably the you know of all the things that have come out of this, that's been one of the things that I've noticed the most coming out of this is the response from people to the uncontrollable. You know, it kind of gives you like a little bit of a roadmap of yep. their brain, of yep. their mind, you like, know, yeah, and like also it. their mindset. You know, like um, I think it was Andy Stump was talking about like in Buds using, you know, mashing people as just a way to see kind of a roadmap of their brain. Like yeah. what's their mindset? What are they made of? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and it's the same thing with this kind of stuff. Like what are we made of? Are we, are we so fragile that we'll break? over somebody asking me to wear a mask in the restaurant. Yeah. Do I agree with the mask, all that other stuff? No. Just let me breathe, man. You know, I have a hard enough time breathing already. Mm-hmm. You know, my nose has been smashed a bunch of times. And now you're putting me in a mask. Mm-hmm. And um and airplanes and everything else and you know, and the ridiculousness of it all. You know, like I have to wear this mask through the airport 
onto the airplane, but then somebody's going to sit right next to me, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, no and, consistency. And there's no air blowing out around the side of the mask. Are you kidding me? Well, mm-hmm. I'm watching their glasses steam up. Yeah. It's well, not an airtight seal, bro. Yeah. Knock it off already. And, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stop with the theater. But then the other side of it is, okay, get control of yourself. Control your response to this uncontrollable situation. You know, I don't have any control over the rules and regs. I do need to use their service to get from point A to point B. Yeah. So how am I going to be the best example to myself first of someone who thinks about these things and, and prides himself on, on kind of being a philosopher to some degree and, and philosophical anyway about how I do things and, and trying to base what I do in reason and rational thought and also being resilient not being a baby and so it's like okay i'm just gonna buckle in here mm-hmm. <laughs> keep my mouth shut control my thoughts you know think about something else you know i mean what's the you know um not that i'm a big i'm, I'm not a christian but nothing against christians but i'm not and so i always feel bad you know borrowing from their you know mythology or whatever you want to call it but um but to pull from the bible you know like paul said you know it's like if there be any good think on these things you know if there's anything true if there's virtue think on these things control your thoughts mm-hmm. you know and it's the same thing like I'm, I'm look i'm in an airplane i'm going from point a to point b and I, uh, what an amazing time to live mm-hmm. you know there are people who trying to make this same journey you know in the early 1900s or even in the 1960s and 70s you had to be upper middle to upper class to afford a plane ticket mm-hmm. yeah. or be in the military, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and it wasn't really a plane ticket for them, you know, but it's, so here I am sitting in uh, an airplane. Uh, I was in a position where I could afford the 300 bucks or 400 bucks for a plane ticket. I'm going to go hang out with some friends, do some cool stuff. That's what I'm going to focus on. Mm-hmm. The inconvenience of wearing a mask, the inconvenience of whatever it might be, you know, uh, that I have to deal with in this, let me force myself to control my response to the uncontrollables and then control what I can control, which is my own thoughts and my own, my own sense of entitlement or even my own sense of, um, uh, what would you call it, placement in history, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm fortunate enough to live in this time where, uh, unlike the Spanish flu, which had masking, there's mm-hmm. pictures of people being denied. Oh, there was the per- same. It was the history repeats itself, as they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. There's pictures of people being yes. denied access yeah. to trolleys and uh, buildings and all kinds. And of And there stuff. was pro maskers and anti maskers. Yeah, yeah nineteen nineteen. Same, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same stuff. But um, I look at it now and I go, what a what a place to and time to be in history where, um, if I do get that, I've already had it. But if I do get it and I'm really bad, they can get me to an ER and I'll probably be okay. Yeah, You know, like her dad was, you know, Jill's dad was uh, in a coma for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. and came out of it and survived and all that kind of stuff and due to this thing. But, you know, we look at that and go, would that, will we have had the same outcome in another time? Yeah. You know, or even same time, but another place, mm-hmm. like another country. Yeah. You know, and so I look at all that stuff and, and that I choose then, right? I can't control that control my response to it and then also control the controllables which are how am i going to think about this Mm. you know how am i going to approach this how am i going to be how am i going to act about this if i'm really the hero of my own story which we all are right like we're all 
writing our, our own stories as we go through this. If I'm going to be my own hero, how would I expect my hero to act? Mm-hmm. Would I want my hero to bitch up and be throwing a temper tantrum and you know what I mean? And I refuse to go to a restaurant. I refuse to fly on an airplane. I'm refuse to do this. Mm-hmm. I refuse to do that. And I, like, to what end, man? Yeah. yeah. Like, what what are you whining about? Yeah, to what <laughs> end? Like, what what's yeah. going to be accomplished? Yeah, like, yeah. I get it. If if we if tomorrow if they were to say, hey, listen, Boise State Capitol, we're going to have 500 people and we're going to go out here and we're going to demand some sort of answers, some sort of um, data driven response. Like, why do I have to wear a mask when I'm walking but not when I'm sitting? Why do I have to wear a mask when I'm passing people on a trail on a run, but then I could take it off? You know, uh, if if 500 or 1,000 people want to get together and stand in front of the state capitol and demand answers from somebody in there, I'm down. I'll go. Because that might actually get something done. Hmm. But me standing in a restaurant, throwing a fit to the maitre d' or the 14 year old, 15 year old kid that's seating me, Mm. you know, and putting that kid on the spot, you know, like you got a full grown man ranting and raging at you or the barista that's, you know what I mean? Like that is like, now you're not the hero, man. You're not the hero of anybody's story. You're the asshole now. You're an asshole. Yeah. You know, and you also just maybe to that kid reinforced rather than having an opportunity to that kid to show them what a full sized, adult male should act like mm-hmm. yeah you know instead i showed them what what a full what a three-year-old walking around in a full-size adult male gorilla suit looks like mm-hmm. yeah you know like i just acted like a child yeah you know and so lost opportunity to maybe be a good example to this kid and to people around me and also to myself yeah because again you know it's like who do you talk to when you talk to yourself right you know, that old saying, that old, like, mm-hmm. philosophical debate, like, who am I talking to and who am I really? Because if if tomorrow something were to happen and I were bedridden, I'm still me. Mm. So my body is not me. What inhabits my body is me. And then even within that, there's somebody who talks to somebody in there. You know yeah. what I mean? There's yeah. like something, there's a whole lot more to us than what we know. So whatever the symbiont is that's inside of me, that's that's kind of having these conversations is also watching me and and you know like they say like when you let yourself down you've let everybody down Mm -hmm. and so you can't lie to yourself and when you know that you're a liar because you lie to yourself like tomorrow morning i'm going to get up at five and go for a run and then i don't or today i'm going to not put creamer and sugar in my coffee because i'm trying to cut back and and make better choices but then i do after a while you doubt you because mm-hmm. you're like, you don't do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's that same thing. Like, here's my opportunity to be the hero of my story. And I let myself down. Because I just went off on some kid that doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like the, so in all of that, I see these opportunities for us to, to prosper in those ways. You know, in those ways, I see opportunities for us to reinforced ourselves that we deserve to think of ourselves as the hero of our own story of the hero's journey as um you know joseph campbell would say you know and and so we have these opportunities take them you know don't squander them you know because it's the little wins that build that create big wins and so if we continue to 
not control our response to the uncontrollables, and then we also don't control the controllables, we're going to come out of this losing. Yeah. You're going to come out of this in 2021 or 2022 because eventually this will be over just like the Spanish flu was over, just like H1M1 was over. Eventually this will all be over. And then what, what will we have? Mm-hmm. Will I have a bunch of alienated relatives? Because every time I saw them, I went on a rant about yeah. how they couldn't wear a mask or how they were wearing a mask, whatever side you want to fall on in that. Yeah. Yeah. Will I have a bunch of friends who are like, dude, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, which one of you is showing up right now? I think that yeah. happened a lot over this last year. Even couples, like, yeah. they disagreed on something, and then all of a sudden they don't like each other. Which that's something that drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, I think, uh, not as necessarily a smart per- person, but like a well put together person. Say, if they are all about wearing masks, you should wear your mask. But they hear someone like yourself say, "I really don't think the masks should be there." They don't need to fucking hate you because you said that. Yeah. It's like you have a reason you think the way you think. Like me personally, like I said earlier, I, I'm a rule follower. I always have been. I, I've always worn the mask, especially in a public place. But if, if I do see – I'm kind of back, going back on myself a little bit. I did see some guys not wearing one, knowing what they were doing. Like, look at me. I'm not wearing a mask. Look how tough. I, it's like, that's you, the guy you, who, that's you the know guy you're opened, an asshole yeah. right now. That's the guy who open carries. Like, <laughs> motherfucker. Yes. I'll take that from yes. you. Take your money. So right. I, I did see that in the grocery stores. And I'm like, you know you're an asshole and you're yeah. doing this to be an asshole. But. That's the thing. It's not, it shouldn't be right, but it shouldn't be a virtue yes. signal. Yes. From either side of it. Yeah. It should be like, this is my rational decision. Also, this is an opportunity for me to, again, control my response. Yeah control the things that i can control you know i'm not here to virtue signal like i'm not here to tell you to to get the vaccine or not you're doing pretty good not to get the vaccine or not get the the affirmation we do have holders for the mics but right here there's nothing to put them on we should probably wrap this up soon but yeah you know like you said some people are doing that just to just to uh to let the world know yeah that they're not down with the mask. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not down with the mask. Why would I be down with yeah. the mask? But if that's the rule for me to be in their place of business mm-hmm. and I want to be in that place of business, then okay, man. Just like yeah. the jacket, just like a tie, just like we were going to play golf on a golf course, yeah. right? And what do you have to wear on a golf course? A collared shirt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, unless it's like, you know, uh, a local small yeah. golf course that's not really a club, you know, like a city golf course or something like that then they're not going to care what you wear. Yeah. But if it's a club or something associated with a golf club, um, then they're going to want you to wear a collared shirt yeah. and you can't wear jeans. You can wear like khaki shorts and stuff like that. Well, if I want to play golf with my friends who want to go golf, then I'm either going to have to go in the pro shop, buy myself a pair of khaki shorts and a polo, yeah, you know, or I'm going to have to sit in the car and wait for them. Yeah. I'd rather not look like a virgin. Like, hey, you know what? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. But you're, you're also not going to go walk on that golf course and shout how mad you are that you have yeah. to wear the colored like shirt. Like, yeah. This is an American game. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's the whole, that's, that's what I talked about earlier about people in stores and seeing where they really are. I'm a very genuine person and that's what bothers me about shit like golf. I always want to play, but it's disingenuous to have to dress up a certain way. Where the fuck do we live? Like, what is it? Do you know what America's built on? It's built on dudes who sucked ass in fucking the black forest in the middle of the winter getting 500-pound bombs dropped on them. Right. And they're going to walk around as a grown man being like, sir, 
put your you put your fucking gay outfit on real quick so you can play <laughs> golf. Like, no, dude. I should be able to play this in a pair of goddamn. You should be able to boots. play it in a kilt. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. In a kilt. It's a, a Scottish game. <laughs> it's a Scottish game. Exactly. I need to be able to play it in a kilt with a, with a crew of bagpipers and drummers yeah. walking behind me. Yeah, I need a pipe but, band. Yeah, it's not. It's me. not fair. But also, <laughs> the beautiful thing about America is if you wanted to say play golf in a sleeveless shirt, you could start your own golf course if you yeah. really fucking wanted. Or you go to if the, you really wanted to mess up your rifle range, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good rifle range. But, but you yeah. know, you know what I'm saying is is that's the beauty is you do have that ability to work hard get to the point where you can have your own little golf course yeah. and dress however the hell and, you want yeah. to. And and like I said, I, I obviously am a rebellious person in general. Like I'm not going to be like everybody else, but that changed with having kids. Cause if I'm that person who's like, I'm not going to wear a mask or I am going to wear a mask or I'm not going to do this or that. Cause someone told me to, and they see that children take everything a thousand miles. Yeah. So the next thing you know, they're going to be that. 10, right? Yeah. My daughter's multiplied by ten. Yeah, yeah, my daughter's eight, so it's like, oh, cool. So by the time she's seventeen, do I want her driving around in a car that she doesn't clean because she has no disrespect for it, flipping everybody off just because she can? Not following or, the speed limit because it's yeah. the speed limit. Fuck yeah. you, driving around as fast as she wants. <laughs> or do I adapt to the situation so that they see a better person and then they were better people for it who are level headed? Because mm-hmm. that's a better option. Because I don't, I don't deem as having kids like that as a good option, right? I see that as like, I hate you. Get the fuck out of my house. I don't want to see you again. Yeah, exactly. And it's my yeah. fault that I did that to you, by the yeah. way. You're you know? somebody else's kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody else's. Go get married to something. Make somebody else, makes your, make your problem somebody else's problem. We, we should probably wrap this up. We've been over two hours. <laughs> okay. And I have a feeling like my wife's wondering where the hell I'm at. Um, so. Okay. Just tell her we were late. <laughs> so, Jill, since... Since you're our primary guest, do you have any last words? <laughs> um, I don't know. My closing, well, Paul just said, Paul just said, food is medicine. My big pitch is uh, food is medicine, actually. Viewed, food should be viewed as medicine and fuel. We didn't talk about this a lot, but as medicine and fuel, but you should also... It should also elicit a lot of pleasure as well. And um, yeah, we didn't talk about this really at all, but... We, we can do this I, again as well. Yeah. We'll have you back on for sure. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. I'll, yeah. I don't know. My closing words are um, would be try to discipline yourself in some way, some small way. Um don't aim for huge, drastic, sweeping change in your life. Just identify one small thing that you could do to make your life better today in this moment and just become disciplined in that area and then move on to the next until you have created the person you know that you want to be and you have the friends that you want to have and the lifestyle that you that you want to have, but just don't try to do everything all at once and, you know, put good food into your body and be active in some way. Spend time in fresh air and sunlight with your feet firmly planted on the ground. And, you know, don't be afraid to push yourself and don't view pushing yourself as running three miles on the hour for 24 hours like Paul did. Just do whatever is going to challenge you in that moment, even if it's just mm-hmm. walking around the block one time. But I think um, 
kind of one of the themes that we've been talking about is who are we as humans and what were we built for um, evolutionarily, biologically, and, you know, what is masculine and what is feminine and how do we exist together in a modern civilization and how do we how do we push ourselves to you know have a a good good space in our own home and how do we build a stronger better neighborhood and you know how do we just decide to be better people Mm -hmm. in general and spend less time in everybody else's business Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just think that starts with yourself and disciplining yourself and, and choosing how you're going to re how you're going to, um, how you're going to act and really understanding what you have control over mm-hmm. and what you, what you do not. I only have control over myself, my reaction. Those would be my closing words. I think. Perfect. I like that. Well, thank both of you for coming. We do want to have you back on, Paul. And you're welcome to join that one as well. I <laughs> will be his comfort animal. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us.